I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is Caitlin Magnol-Kearns. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Um, I always start by asking, what is your history with S-Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? So I was actually, I'm a kind of late 90s child. I was born in 97. So my relationship with S-Club is, I kind of knew them as a band. I wouldn't say I knew them as kind of individuals within that band. So I obviously knew S-Club 7 was a thing. And they were like a kid's party staple. Like, loved Reach. That was like, it reminds me of being on my holidays. Like, entertainer, like, you know, the (laughs) the, um, kids club entertainers. Yes. (laughs) Love all of that stuff. So, but I would say it wasn't until kind of rediscovering them that I really kind of was able to go, oh, okay. I knew Rachel Stevens from kind of being Rachel (laughs) Rachel Stevens and um, like Dick and Dom and uh, other stuff. But um, yeah, and I do have vague memories of this TV show being on and especially like the first series I feel yeah just it being on in the background and maybe watching it when I was quite young um but yeah it's one of those ones where it's I obviously knew they were a big thing yeah it's it's only recently that I've I've kind of into the lore of um of S Club (laughs) yeah the canon (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah yeah you mentioned you, you don't feel like you really know them that well as individuals. Um, this episode is a bit of a wild ride in that respect. Because, <laughs> oh, well, I do know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Um, today we're talking about Hollywood 7 episode 8, which is called The Stylist, and it aired on CBBC on the 15th of November 2001. Um, and the whole gist of this episode really is that the band are restyled by this stylist who gives each of them like a personality to mm-hmm. adopt. And I think the main flaw of this storyline really is that the band don't have very distinctive personalities <laughs> to begin with. Because <laughs> yeah. I think we're supposed to be watching this episode as the audience and reacting like, oh, it's ridiculous. They're being forced to take on these personas that are so different from how they are in real life. (laughs) What an outrage. But we don't really know what they're like in real life. It's so kind of nondescript with a lot of them to begin with. Like it doesn't really have much impact when they're given these new personas. Also, not to like jump ahead to the personas, but they're not exactly kind of... um what you'd expect in a band it's like yeah yeah the practical one he loves DIY and I'm like I don't think I don't Who think cares? that's a thing I don't think we had like DIY spice like I don't think that's a thing but um it was it was really really odd but um yeah and I'm going no that's not you but yeah <laughs> and there's hard. a tidy one and an untidy one as if that's normal <laughs> in a band who cares yeah during the concert stop making such a mess it's just like okay yeah um <laughs> It was it was very bizarre. And again, them going like, that's so out of character. I'm like, I don't know if that is out of character for Tina. I don't, you know, I can't. <laughs> yeah, and I've watched all of this show and I couldn't really tell you. <laughs> well, that, yeah, exactly. I was like, maybe I can get some insights, but I, I had a feeling that wouldn't be the case. It would, um, yeah, very, very strange. <laughs> so in the opening scene, 
Joe is complaining that the fridge is a mess and Tina tells her that that's because she's the only tidy one and the rest of the band are slobs. And I don't remember this ever being a thing that Joe is the tidy one in the band. It's like the writer of this episode has thought, quick, we'd better shoehorn in some personality traits at the beginning so we could then like do the opposite of them later. I think they've got confused about like habits and personality traits as well. Like I don't think... Like being tidy is a maybe on The Sims, like that's like, yeah, (laughs) it's a very I never describe a friend of mine as being like the first thing, oh, they're so tidy, like that's not a thing. And then, yeah, the and the fridge didn't look that bad, and I will say it looked very well stocked. Yeah, Um, there's like a whole platter of like raw meat in there, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it, it was very weird. Um, it looked like a kind of um industrial kitchen so maybe that's their side hustle (laughs) who knows (laughs) but joe says it's an absolute mess um and we get introduced quite quickly to this little subplot about the butter and the jam and weirdly this seems to be something that people really remember about this show like of all the episodes several people have mentioned this to me online in the last year or two like people are like oh the s club 7 tv show oh yeah i remember that bit with uh the butter and the jam and it's literally about five minutes of screen time in this episode but for some reason millennials are still thinking about it to this day i think it's all the the whole thing around the butter and the jam because i mean again it's kind of referenced later but they talk about having a jam knife i'm like is that a thing yeah why would you put the knife back into the butter once you've put it in the jam like there was i had so many questions about the about the logistics of this um mainly my main takeaway was a paul catamol just can't be um tamed he's you know (laughs) wild yeah and later we're expected to believe that him being wacky is ridiculous (laughs) yeah and his wackiness i mean was it uh, yeah it wasn't very wacky it was just a bit odd more than anything yeah the situation is that tina is annoyed because someone has been like cross-contaminating the jam and the butter and yeah like you said i'm not sure what the logistics of this are because you would put the butter on first, wouldn't yeah. you? And then the jam. So if anything, it would be the opposite where you're getting butter in the pot mm. of jam. But for some reason, they're going back to the butter afterwards and <laughs> contaminating it. Like a lasagna of um, butter and jam on top of the bread. I don't really know. Yeah, it was very, <laughs> it seems like that's a deliberate, a del- and it was all over the butter. It wasn't even like, you know, it was, it just looked like they spread jam on the butter. Yeah, maybe people somehow remember this because it's a bit, I don't know, more relatable than the rest of the show. Because obviously when you're a kid, you don't really know much about the world, but you've got some butter and some jam in your fridge. So you like maybe some kids like learnt manners from this episode, like they learnt not to like mix the two of them and maybe that's why people for some reason are still remembering this now and being like oh my god the butter and the jam thing well you know it, it's done some good in the world and you know that's we, we can thank ass club for that um the best lesson this show's <laughs> ever come up with <laughs> absolutely when was the last time anybody cleaned out this fridge there's things that have been in here since the ice age no <laughs> looks like mammoth bones sticking out of the back. I mean, why am I the only one that cares about things like cleaning out the fridge? Because, Joe, you're the tidy one. Everyone else are slobs. That's right, Tina. Ugh. Nah, I don't believe this. What? It's happened again. What? Someone has been spreading jam, then putting the knife back in the butter, now there's jam all over the butter. Oh, I ate that. Now, anyone who wants to use the butter has to scrape off all the jam first. Well, don't look at me. Well, someone's done it, and I'm going to find out who it is. So Tina is determined to find out who's responsible. There's a bit where she's just sort of going up to everyone individually and, like, shoving the block of butter in their face silently. Um, (laughs) And they're mostly just denying it was them. John claims he doesn't even like jam, and Tina is like, you might as well say you don't like air. (laughs) Bit extreme. And then then he put... Well, I, I'm not very. I, I, he said, like, oh, I'm not very fond of it. Actually, it was very. Yeah. That bit was very odd. I was rewatching it just before because I've seen. I've watched the episode kind of 
first time for notes and second time purely for vibes and um yeah, yeah that bit really I kind of was like what um it was very strange I will say that because I, I kind of went in going right because I I do some like directing I do some theater I'm like who would I who do I think is the most like acting potential who mm-hmm. is is um who are the thespians of S Club? And I have to say, I think John definitely went to stage school when he was younger. He yeah. he uh is probably, I would say, the best actor. Him and Bradley, weirdly, they were the two out of the whole the whole gang. And maybe it might just be this episode, because they didn't have that much to to do. So they didn't have as much opportunity to <laughs> to be bad. <laughs> yeah, the girls have quite a lot to do in this episode. And yeah. Paul as well. Um I, I love Tina, but not because she's a brilliant actor. I just <laughs> love the way she says things, like the bit that's coming up later where she's trying to explain to Paul what to do. Oh, I really yes. enjoyed. I've written quite extensive notes on that whole bit. Um, but yeah, Great. no, it's. <laughs> I'd say like John and Bradley to me, they were in this episode uh, standouts in terms of acting, and John in particular. Yeah, Bradley suggests they should take a DNA sample from the knife and send it to a lab. Again, that would not work because surely they're all using the knife at some point. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. Well, the jam expertise are on point, but maybe not, you know, the forensics. But then the mystery is kind of solved quite quickly because Paul walks in and just casually says it was him because he doesn't really understand how it's an issue. Um, he just admits to it and... That's that for now, but uh, don't worry, it comes back later, this this <laughs> subplot. The band's manager, Dean, is having a meeting with this guy, Howard, from the record label, who's saying that he likes S Club 7's music, but he doesn't really get the concept of the band. And to be fair to him, he's hit on something a little <laughs> bit because his issue is that the members of the band don't really have clear identities, so he can't really tell them apart. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. And there was another weird bit in the scene where he talked about slipping on soap in yeah. the shower when he was dancing. I'm like, is that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Which he probably shouldn't be asking because it was like, never mind. And I was like, what? Um, that was very weird. But yeah, we, you know, I think actually... Um, he has hit on something. Um, maybe this isn't the best way to go about it. Or, yeah, the the, the personalities are maybe a bit wrong. But, um, he, he, yeah, he's kind of hit on something. Yeah, it's strange because it never really <laughs> held them back in their success, like in reality. Like people, we just didn't care for some reason that they didn't have distinctive personalities and that there were seven of them. Like it just kind of worked for some reason. But they talk about it extensively in this show and I think watching it we're expected to be like oh well that's completely wrong they're idiots for saying that they're all so unique we all love um <laughs> you know I, I mean I can't I'm struggling even to think of characteristics um to, <laughs> we um, learn in the first 30 seconds of this episode that Joe's the tidy one. Oh yeah we all love Joe's Joe's tidiness. Yeah, and in another instance in this scene of, is that a joke? Um, there's a weird bit at the end where a waitress comes over and Dean goes, do you have any specials today? I'm in the mood for fish. <laughs> yeah, but that was the last line as if it was like, okay. Um, that was another thing I noticed is the scenes wouldn't really end. They would just kind of, someone would say something and then it would go, S club and then yeah. it just leave you somewhere else and you go oh okay that was that was, the end. that was the end I just think am I writing now I'm just gonna do that when I don't know how to end the scene just I'm in the mood for fish yeah I'm in the mood for fish and then a transition uh it's just a massive s there's one bit later where there's a transition like in the middle of a scene and they don't change location did you notice that when they're with the stylist I was like oh okay they're going to be somewhere else now no they're sitting in the same room and there's now like a notice board there but that deserved a transition I think it was just like continuity and they were like oh wait we've forgotten to to put this in so let's just pretend like yeah exactly it was (laughs) tight turnaround so we need to like that was very weird I did I did notice that bit um with with the stylist um very strange 
so yeah, Howard tells Dean that he needs to hire a stylist for the band um, who can kind of, you know, shush them up a bit. Um, and we then get this scene where Tina is basically trying to train Paul like a dog <laughs> to stop mixing the jam and the butter. <laughs> and she's, I'll put a clip in the podcast, but she's being all like, so patronizing like jam knife is for jam that's a good thing it was so i wrote like is paul a caveman that was my main note because it was like jam it in butter like it was just so weird it was so bizarre and um that's the thing this show isn't necessarily like terribly written it's just very strange that's the (laughs) just a lot of choices being made um yeah, just but, the whole vibe is quite unusual. Like that's why I'm so fascinated about it. Like it's not a boring show. No. Even when even when there's nothing happening, it's interesting because it's kind of weirdly compelling to watch because you're just like, what is this? <laughs> it's it was that whole scene was so strange and the choice to make uh Paul like borderline like, i don't know just just not knowing what's happening at all very was... and at one point she puts her finger in front of his face and is like no <laughs> like a little naughty dog or something trying to train it she's just like don't mix them no one thing i also wrote down at this point is i've realized like how heavily scored the whole show has music mm-hmm. underneath it and i'm like is that a thing i mean and then i was trying to think of any other shows i know but Maybe it. I mean, is it because it's the S Club TV show? But even in the first scene, I think the whole first scene was scored underneath with just kind of strange pop music. Yeah, I think in series one it wasn't really like that, and then like I think series two onwards, they've kind of thought mm, we need to like sell as much as possible. We need to maximize yeah. this opportunity, so let's put one of our songs, like even if it's an instrumental version, let's put it in the background of every single scene, just to kind of really permeate the children's <laughs> minds while they're watching. Well, that, I mean, it probably does work. It kind of goes in because you don't realize. Because at a certain point, you do forget that the, the music is there. So maybe it's just tapping into your subconscious. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> at the, at this point, I mean, did you want to say anything else about that scene? Because that is a highlight of the episode for me. Because it's just so mad. No, it was just very. It was just very bizarre. I do like again. I'm like I really warmed Tina in this. I think there was a lot of Tina. Yeah. In this episode, again, not particularly because she's the best actor. But there's just something about her. I just, um, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Butter knife is for butter. And jam knife is for jam. That's a good thing. What is it? It's a good thing. Right. Stick jam knife in jam. Then stick in butter. No. That is a bad thing. What is it? It's a bad thing. Correct. I think I've got it now. So do you think you can remember that for next time? Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe. Yeah, so after that, Dean comes round and we get to know that not only is he in the mood for fish, he apparently also doesn't (laughs) drink water because these weird things sometimes just come up with Dean. Like there was an episode before where he was like covered in nicotine patches for the whole episode and then it's never come up again and now he's saying that he doesn't drink water (laughs) that nicotine thing i don't think that would fly on kids tv nowadays i don't think you're allowed to like even (laughs) that's so funny oh my goodness (laughs) and he comes around to break the news that the record company want them to see a stylist and i like how this is all kind of framed as if a band having a stylist is like some sort of massive failure like oh my god if we need a stylist that means we we're dressed terribly that means we've got no fashion sense at all and it's like i'm pretty sure every band has a stylist it's not like a a horrible situation like an insult to you guys yeah they did take it very personally that like but then it's not so much a stylist as a um i don't know it was it's not it was more because they're not like saying, branding, oh, like yeah, a sort of image, exactly. image and, consultant or and then something. It really reminded me of like America's Next Top Model because they used. I remember there was one series in particular where they gave each of the contestants like a thing. It's like you're the cookie girl, and then you had to like sell your brand, and it was it was very weird. Um, and they didn't choose like Tyra Banks, kind of just 
brandished them with with words and said this is you now <laughs> yeah that would make sense if it was part of an actual like a challenge like or you know like a drag race sort of thing yeah but here this is their actual band and it's like <laughs> you're gonna have these personalities we're launching you in america so you have to just have these forever now exactly it was very bizarre it's like this is who you are now and the fact that they take it through to their everyday lives um, yeah i wrote that down later because it's like <laughs> you haven't just got new public personas you just have to live your lives this way now one of you who's the tidy one has to tidy the house and nobody else is allowed to yeah exactly it's like it's not just um because there could be an episode where it's like as soon as they go on stage that they could they have to switch into persona but no they've they've chosen to take this on for their whole their whole lives yeah when it's just the seven of them in the house they're still like committed to this <laughs> And so, yeah, they're all not a fan of getting a stylist in. Bradley says it took him 17 years to get his mum to stop telling him what to wear and he doesn't want to go through that again. <laughs> Bless I mean, him. yeah, I was going to say, Bradley, relatable, relatable king. I think I wrote down, I don't know if there was dialogue at this point that inspired me to write this, but I put Bradley and John body comedy. I think I would just enjoy <laughs> that. I don't know why I was <laughs> such a big fan, but I, I would watch a spinoff of them too just I don't know if they you know get into a different career together maybe they're detectives but I think I would enjoy that yeah scrap the rest of them (laughs) (laughs) exactly just Bradley and John show and it's funny because John's the one I always would forget if I'm thinking about S Club he would be probably the person who I go oh gosh he's the seventh one oh John but not anymore (laughs) yeah Rachel sort of takes a stand and is like we're not going to compromise our individuality for anyone <laughs> lol it was such I, the, the whole message of this episode was really i think i again i wrote some stuff about it later but it was really weird for like a, gr- a group where arguably three of the member like female members all look very similar and they all dress very similarly that they're like <laughs> we're not going to conform um very strange yeah it's just so bizarre but then um dean says they'll get free clothes out of it and rachel suddenly kind of changes her tune doesn't she and she's like okay let's see how it goes classic that i knew that was i was like oh here it comes but have we have we met the stylist at this point or is she has she come in yeah she's coming in yeah now her name's carmelita yes because that's the name um (laughs) (laughs) this actress i i couldn't find much recent stuff about her apart from she used to be married to um john leggy's in the 90s but i couldn't see much that she's done recently so i don't know what she's up to now she's pretty okay i think she's okay what what she's got to work with she had a lot of body glitter on which i noticed and like a sort of red like one of those little clip-in hair streaks that is from you could get from like claire's accessories or something she's got one of those in and i was like that's fashion she knows what she's on about i was like (laughs) as soon as i saw that um but yeah the body glitter was you know maybe very nostalgic for the for the 2000s for the noughties oh yeah definitely i remember that i remember having hair mascara as well yes (laughs) like glittery (laughs) in we did like a show in primary school i think it was a christmas show or something where we had to do some sort of dance and I remember everyone was like putting on this like blue hair mascara. It's that, that memory has like stayed with me. It was like dark blue. <laughs> Why? Oh, that's that. Yeah. Hair mascara. I mean, those two words just never, should never <laughs> go together. I wonder if anyone still wears it or like sells it now. Cause it's just one of those things that seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I doubt it, but you know, maybe on eBay you'll get like some <laughs> some ten year old um, hair mascara. <laughs> yeah, maybe when we're a bit older, there'll be like early two thousands themed like events and stuff, and we can get the the body glitter and the hair mascara out. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I'd be here for it. <laughs> Play an S club, be great. So we meet the stylist, and immediately I'm on board with what she's saying because she tells the band there's too many of them and they need more character because the audience can't tell them apart and I was like yes Carmelita (laughs) tell them 
<laughs> I like how she says the audience as well, which seems like a weird thing to say about yeah. a band. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was very weird. And I wondered, like, I wonder if when the band read the script, you know, did they go home and go, maybe, she, maybe, are the writers trying to tell us something? Is this a, you know... <laughs> Did it cause any kind of existential crisis in the band of their own identities? <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's like a a bit of a, a meta commentary sort of thing. Like, because I don't really remember at the time what you know critics were saying about S Club Seven or anything, but maybe critics were saying like, oh, there's too many of them. They're all mm. the same. Like, maybe this is a bit of a a response to that potentially i don't know if i'm giving the writer like too much credit here but that it seems like it's a bit of a like oh you think this do you well we'll show you <laughs> we are individuals uh yeah exactly <laughs> and so yeah carmelita tells the band what's up and of course they're all sitting there like but we do have individual character what are you on about <laughs> yeah while showing nothing to display that point i i don't know what happened again at this point but I wrote Joe would fit in well in EastEnders so yeah. <laughs> I that was another takeaway for me throughout this was I'm going I there was something about Joe's energy that I'm like she should be on EastEnders that's yeah she's gonna kick off at any moment yeah there's kind of an underlying aggression or like a kind of um like yeah some, someone's gonna get hit which is not the kind of general vibe of the show because um, <laughs> I think when she gets given her personality, she's kind of like, you've got to be joking. Yeah, I think that was maybe when I was like, yes. Um, I thought she was going to headbutt Carmelita, um, which again, wouldn't be the vibe, but just it was just her energy she was bringing. <laughs> yeah, there's a weird sort of like joke about, oh, all the best bands have four people. And then they say like a sort of fat shamey remark about Barry White like oh he's the size of four people it's like what are you talking about yeah that bit was really weird but one thing they do with jokes on this is instead of just leaving a joke they go oh yeah fair enough like they seem to do that after <laughs> lots of and they go you could just move on you don't need someone to go yeah that's right it's just... yeah I think it's John isn't it he yeah has, he just has to react to it and he's like oh yeah true because there was an yeah there was another one earlier where um it was uh about rachel reading agatha christie and loving poirot oh yeah and then again there was like a thing made where um she's like he was like oh you just need to put on weight and, and grow a mustache and she went yeah fair enough I'm like, you didn't need <laughs> to say that but that was just i mean it was a strange enough i'm like i don't think rachel stevens is ever you know, I don't want to make assumptions, but I don't think she's a huge Pyro fan. Um, <laughs> but I could, and I could be wrong. Yeah, definitely. We we get the personalities at this point. Um, mm -hmm. We we get the little transition where they're mid conversation, and then she's like, "Now to the personalities." So Tina is the cutesy girl next door. And again, everyone like erupts into laughter. Like that is so not Tina. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, Rachel, I think some of them kind of work a little bit like, you know, in the past, Rachel has always been the one that's kind of like, you know, into fashion and beauty. And I guess they're sort of, saying the opposite of that is that she likes you know sort of wearing boiler suits and doing diy um mm -hmm. so that one isn't too bad as an opposite joe is the nerdy intellectual one i felt a bit bad i was like oh i was like that feels like an that feels a bit because they could have just said nerdy but i think they said intellectual <laughs> and i was like i mean you could have stopped at the first <laughs> the first bit yeah and also looking back at it i don't think joe has ever presented as like being 
dumber than the rest of them. It, it feels like it's maybe a little bit classist, possibly, because she's got yeah. like a bit of a stronger sort of accent than the others. And she's a bit like, all right, guys. Yeah. And also because I would say, you know, not to make any kind of assumptions, but out of all the girls, she's probably maybe the least feminine. So I don't, yeah, yeah that was weird. And then we it, it all goes like even further downhill now because Hannah is the tidy one. John is the untidy one at this point. I was just kind of like, really? Who cares? It was very, yeah, it was very weird. Again, Hannah is a kind of non-entity in this episode, I will say. Like, she kind of flies under the radar. And I know in other episodes she does have the thing with, like, romance thing with Paul. But that was not present in this. She was just kind of there. I did like her hair. Like I'll give her, you know, <laughs> I thought her haircut was quite cute. Yeah, she gets hardly anything to do in this episode. I think because there's so many of them. Often, exactly c- certain episodes, some people will be sidelined. Like I often feel like Tina gets a bit sidelined, but she has loads to do in this episode. So maybe that was at the expense of Hannah. Yeah, it felt like in terms of people like screen time, a lot of Paul. It was like Paul, Tina. Rachel and kind of Joe. I feel like those were the main, hmm. but you're right about seven. Cause even with sitcoms where it's like four or five people, you know, there'll be episodes which are more heavy on one or the other, but trying to juggle seven, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's difficult, especially in an episode where it's about trying to define characters and then subverting <laughs> them and then, <laughs> and then taking them back. And then also having like a three minute music video in it. It's a lot to do in that time. <laughs> Yeah, so Hannah's the tidy one, John's the untidy one. Bradley is bossy and organised, <laughs> and Paul is the wacky practical joker. I, yeah, I don't think that seems very different to Paul. I mean, I haven't watched the rest of the show, but I kind of got the assumption he was the kind of goofball, yeah, for lack I of think a better word. If, if that had been like given to John or something, that yeah. might have been a bit different, because I think John is generally a bit more kind of a bit quieter and more sensible than the others. So if he was the wacky one, that would be a change. But no, it's Paul for some reason. Classic Paul with his awful facial hair. (laughs) Yeah, so many personality types that just have no place in a band. Like, oh, you know who I really love in Little Mix? The tidy one. Yeah, it's it's such a weird choice because you think you might go like, you know, the sassy one or the cute one, or even like if they stole a bit from like, you know, the Spice Girls or any of those bands. But no, they just kind of went, but I suppose then for plot, they want stuff that people can do practically. But even with that, I don't think there was particularly like any, it's not like they walked in and the room was really messy and they went, oh no, classic John. (laughs) Like they didn't even really utilize what they'd set up. It was just kind of... (laughs) <laughs> Rachel Stevens trying to hammer a screw into a wall. It was just very weird. And I absolutely died at Paul telling the stylist really sincerely that she's ruining what is S Club 7. <laughs> it's like, but, but what is S Club 7? What is she ruining, Paul? The essence. She's ruining the essence. The, it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> The more I think about this episode, the more baffled I am. It's a really strange one. Come to the characters. Tina, you're the cutesy girl next door type. (laughs) What? Bradley, efficient, bossy, uh, very organized. No way. John, um, a little bit flaky, uh, untidy, kind of scruffy. Hannah, the sensible, tidy one. I beg your pardon? Tidy. Have you seen my room? Paul, the wacky, practical joker. A little bit crazy, kind of (laughs) mad. And Joe, the intellectual one. A little bit nerdy. Nerdy? You must be joking, right? Oh, don't worry. Maybe we'll give you some glasses. And Rachel. I don't think I want to know. The tough, practical one. Very good at DIY. I said I didn't want to know. I mean, yeah. Never picked up armor in your life, have you, Rach? No, but I will now and do someone some serious damage with it. That's good. You're getting into the part. (laughs) Can I just say something? Yes. This is all very well and good, but you're changing the character of the band. You're ruining what is (sighs) S-Club. That's not bad. 
bad, but next time you say something, could you be a bit more wacky? You know, maybe pull a funny face or something. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So after that, they're all complaining to Dean about how they're being asked to change themselves. They go off on a tangent where they're saying like, oh, it's like telling Winnie the Pooh he can't be a bear anymore. And and Dean's like, well, Winnie the Pooh didn't have a record deal, guys. I like to think like Winnie the Pooh somewhere watching that going, hey, you know, don't don't rub it in. Um, but yeah, again, even Winnie the Pooh, you know, had a very distinctive personality. So did everyone, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you being told to not do that is so essential to you? As you can compare it with Winnie the Pooh being a bear. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It's it, uh, one aspect of kind of your how you look or how you act. It's not you're being asked to be a dog. You're, you know, it's just altering your personality slightly, <laughs> <laughs> altering your very vague personality. Yeah, exactly. Like nondescript. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so Dean just basically tells them to give it a go and see how it works. And yeah, they now start adopting these personalities just at home. Uh, So yeah, these aren't just new public personas. They're just completely changing everything about the way they live their lives in private. Um, Like, oh, I'm the one who has to do all the tidying up now. (laughs) Guess I just better get on with it. Like they're all just kind of resigned to it in a weird way. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was very weird. It's like method acting to to the extreme. And I... I just put, <laughs> I wrote down, I love her after one day of wearing an outfit, they're all having an existential crisis. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, don't, I think I'm losing perspective on who I am. Like, it got very <laughs> deep, very quick. Yeah, there's a bit later, isn't there, where Rachel is, like, lying awake at night and she's like, I just don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> yeah. I put up some shelves and now I just don't know what to think. It was, it was very... Uh, strange yeah um, just one day of of trying to do some DIY and, and your whole world's been spun on its axes <laughs> there's a bit where Tina sort of does an impression of what she thinks the cutesy girl next door might be and Paul seems to get kind of turned on by it and she's like cool yeah. it, Paul it was very weird I think I wrote down Paul's a perv I think it must have been at that point because it was like oh god stop being such a, a weird Letch. Um, I don't think that's part of your personality, Paul. Calm down. They've had a strange dynamic in this episode because there was the bit before where she's basically like training him like a dog, and now she sort of <laughs> flutters her eyelashes at him, and he's like, "Oh, I quite like that." <laughs> yeah, Paul, Paul is basically um, a caveman in this episode because it's just <laughs> yes, woman, woman, do that. I I like that. You know, it's it's very base. <laughs> And I like how also, yeah, on that same note, at the start of the scene, did you notice he's like playing with a toy car on the kitchen table? <laughs> like he's sort of zooming it around and he's just on his own. Oh, poor Paul. Yeah, I don't know what's happening with him in this episode, yeah. but, you know, he seems happy. So that's the main thing. Yeah, something's <laughs> happened like at the beginning of this episode off screen where he's just like had a bang on the head or something and none of them have noticed that he's any different. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's something to do with the butter and the jam. Like maybe he, he something a, a jar of jam fell on his head, and he's he's not been quite right since. But um, you know, it's okay. They're just they're just getting on with it. Yeah, Rachel's got <laughs> hold of a drill, and she's going to put some shelves up again with just with this sort of resigned attitude. That's like, I guess this is my life now. <laughs> it's so funny. It was yeah. I, I mean, it, to be fair, like. At least she was doing something. I'm like, you know, shelves, if those shelves needed putting up, Rachel, good on you, trying to trying to make it happen. Yeah, and Joe walks in with a massive book <laughs> and is like, did you know that Hamlet's ghost was based on Shakespeare's own father? <laughs> yeah, that, I, that was so, I was like, right? Is that like the height of intellectualism is I don't it was that was very yeah very strange (laughs) walking around with it like a sort of prop sized like comedy book (laughs) oh maybe she found her love maybe maybe Joe found her love with Shakespeare maybe that's (laughs) that was her calling 
she's like okay i'm the intellectual and i better start reading some shakespeare immediately and just like give out trivia which i don't know is that even a thing i'm not that familiar with hamlet to be honest that was the ghost based on shakespeare's own father see i thought hamlet well hamlet was meant to be his son because his son was yeah. called Ham- hamlet so like i knew that was a thing but i didn't know that one but maybe i mean if it is true then thanks thanks joe for <laughs> for teaching me <laughs> and in fact yeah if i trot that out a pub quiz people are like wait what that's not true <laughs> but joe said yeah exactly i will i dispute that. It's like you know i'm just saying i'm just following what joe said and yeah, uh, take, she's take the that up with joe era. yeah exactly exactly she's the intellectual one i trusted her <laughs> yeah john is struggling because he's oh this is so confusing as well john is like tidying some cushions on the sofa and joe tells him off because she's like you can't be the tidy one anymore when literally at the beginning of the episode by the fridge tina told joe that she was the only tidy one and everyone else was a slob (laughs) so like even within this one episode there are inconsistencies who was the tidy one to begin with like why is hannah now the tidy one what's the reason for this it was very yeah i didn't notice that i was kind of going well like i mean you guys didn't even seem to know who you were (laughs) before this so maybe this might be giving you some kind of like meaning or purpose in in your lives maybe you needed this because you're all getting confused it was um yeah it was like a kind of waiting for god kind of weird existential um who is really who and uh <laughs> what are they doing what is their purpose yeah it's bizarre um in the next scene they're all sort of wearing themed outfits aren't they to sort of go with their new personas yes um i mean yeah paul's got sort of like a shirt on that's like that sort of 90s style graphic that you used to get on like cartoons or whatever it's there's a lot going on it's very busy and he's got a sort of sideways baseball cap as well because that's clearly what wacky people do oh yeah no well we knew he'd be you know backwards or or forwards that's too sensible the wacky (laughs) guy takes third option (laughs) clearly (laughs) yeah and again hannah sort of fading into the background because she's the tidy one she's wearing like just quite a sort of bland flowery outfit yeah that was very strange it's kind of like how do you show tidy in an outfit (laughs) how is this good for the band (laughs) yeah very very weird and bradley's in a suit he looks like he's like their security guard or something was bradley meant to be the boss again even i'm forgetting bradley was yeah like the bossy and organized yeah Right, <laughs> and Joe's dressed a little bit like a sort of like Britney Spears, like schoolgirl sort of look. It's not exactly, yeah. That was what I was thinking. I was going, it's not exactly, yeah. If that's what you're trying to go for, I'm... <laughs> it's like a kind of like a weird version of the Village People or something, isn't it? It's like they've got different jobs. Rachel's like in a boiler suit with like holding, like she's holding like a wrench or a hammer or something. <laughs> It's it's just imagining like them in the outfits performing. It would just be the Yeah, I wish concert. we'd got to see that. That should have been the song at the end. They should have like given it a go wearing these new costumes. Trying to embody, you know, their their new personalities. That would have been great. Yeah, they're all dressed up because they're doing a practice TV interview <laughs> on something called the Dan Blocker Show. And yeah, that confused me for a while because they're talking to Dean and he's being like, oh, you've got this practice interview. And then we see them somewhere else. And I was like, oh, okay, they seem to be doing the actual interview now. Yeah. It's the next day. But then, no, that was the practice interview. And is that even a thing that happens? I don't know. <laughs> It was very, yeah, because I was like, oh, right, so this is the interview. And then I, then I was like, oh, no, it's not. It was it was very weird um, because I thought, oh, practice interview, maybe then that's just with Dean or that's with, you know, you might try and run some questions. Yeah, that's how, that's how chat shows work. They have like a whole run through the previous day with all the guests there. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a wedding rehearsal. It's like, that's not that's that's I don't think that's a thing I mean it I mean who knows it could have been but um 
uh, it was very weird. And the, the other thing was, this isn't even to do with S Club really, but my friend, the presenter just really looked like my friend Jack. Uh, so I just, <laughs> that, <laughs> that presenter, I was going, oh, well, if this had been, you know, now, Jack could have played that role easily. So if the yeah, other... I think that guy must have one of those faces because yeah. when I was watching it before, my boyfriend came in the room and he was like, who's that? I feel like I've seen him in something. And then I looked him up and it was like nothing. <laughs> so it must be one of those guys. He just looks like a lot of people. Yeah, that that must be... He must have one of those faces. And I also thought um, he looked a little bit like one of the guys in the room as well. The guy who's like um, one of yes. the sort of superfluous friends hanging around. Yes, he does look like one of the guys in the room. Um, the one who so says funny. me undies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was hoping it was him, but no, it's not. I mean, that would have been the crossover of the century. I would love to have seen like Tommy Wiseau in, in the S Club <laughs> TV series. That would have been uh you know perfection i quite liked it where they ask they all are obviously aware they look ridiculous and they ask dean to tell them the truth about how they look and the dean is being kind of like i mean what even is the truth philosophers have been looking for the truth for centuries so like he's a pro he's like brushing them off because he clearly thinks they look ridiculous as well but yeah no you're you're totally right it's but what again more existentialism in this this episode like questioning what is truth what is the nature of truth what is identity who are we really it's like there's a lot of big questions being asked in this in this episode <laughs> i can just imagine after the director yells cut they're all just like looking into space like thinking <laughs> about what's going on i mean if i'm not mistaken paul did leave the band quite soon after so maybe this episode was the was <laughs> the, the trigger the, the trigger this was the point he went who am i actually who am i really like or maybe it's uh, what he has to do in this next scene where they're having this practice interview and the guy's first question is so who's the wacky one in the band classic interview question i want to see more of that i want to see like one direction being sat down and the interview is like so who's the wacky guy one of you yeah wacky guy please stand up because we all know we all know there's a, a wacky, yeah, because even in, if I think of modern pop bands, or like, even from like 10 years ago, you're like, I don't think, I don't think that's a thing. Again, just, <laughs> I don't think it was a wacky one in JLS, like, I don't think, that, I don't <laughs> think that was. <laughs> and Paul, Paul tells him that one of the wacky things he does is he eats a boiled egg and then puts the shell back together. And I quite like how he clearly sort of loses faith in what he's saying, like, as he's saying it. And then at the end, he sort of remembers that he's supposed to be really wacky. So he starts kind of like gurning in the guy's face, like he's on something. And the guy is kind of like, okay, let's move on to someone else. Yeah, I think I wrote down, Paul isn't acting wacky. It's just more like, is this man okay <laughs> he's taken something before the end and he's like moving like moving his jaw around loads yeah i was going yeah i think i think wacky is i mean it can be a lot of things but i don't i don't think this is this is one of them it was it was yeah <laughs> it also made me think of have you seen arrested development at all yeah. the the bit where um george michael is talking about how anne is really funny because she like does something with a boiled egg like and it was just <laughs> reminded me of that paul's like oh yeah this is a funny story this is a wacky thing to do i mean it's so hyper specific as well i feel like that's something that one of the writers must have done or heard of someone doing because it's so it is it's very unusual <laughs> it's too specific it must come yeah it must come from some kind of truth because uh, it's not like oh i i i have my breakfast for dinner Woo! like it's it's so kind of <laughs> <laughs> bizarre and then the interviewer gets sort of freaked out even further because he turns to tina and she's kind of fluttering her eyelashes in his face she seems to have interpreted cutesy girl next door as like a massive flirt yeah because she's like sort of touching his arm and like it's very odd it was very weird yeah it's not cutesy girl because to me girl next door is like kind of 
you know, relatable kind of whatever. But yeah, it was very, very strange how she suddenly took back like the role of woman back like 50 years um, <laughs> in a matter of minutes. Um, but yeah, it was very weird. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a comment. Maybe Tina is like, I think cutesy girl next door is a sexist term. I'm going to show them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she sort of like slaps him on the arm at one point and starts like laughing hysterically. <laughs> and the guy's like, get me out of here. <laughs> I mean, I could blame him. I, it was, yeah, it, very weird. Very, very strange. Mm -hmm. And the practice interview sort of ends with them all arguing with each other because they get confused about who's supposed to be the bossy one. Um, and Howard from the record label is there and is obviously worried. Um, but Dean sort of tries to reassure him that, oh, you know, they're just settling into it. They'll be fine when it comes to the real interview tomorrow. <laughs> this was just a practice run. And at that point I was like, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? This isn't live TV. Yeah, I bet they were very happy. But yeah, it was it were they where was it even being filmed? Like where was this it seemed to be like a a univer was it like a university or a park or like it Yeah, because when they're supposedly on the show later performing, they're like in front of a fountain, aren't they? But there's like the noise of a massive audience added in. It was yeah, because it was very much like gimme friends vibes later on with that fountain. It was like very reminiscent of the opening of Friends. Which I think is what this show kind of is aspiring to be like. <laughs> but um, yeah, very like, there's no, it wasn't in a studio. It was just outside. Um, <laughs> it's like that was sorry. what was available on the day. Yeah, pretty much. We need to do this. Look, it's, we've got this like campus. Let's just make it work. Yeah, there was a, another episode earlier this series where they were on a kind of like a Jerry Springer-esque sort of show and that was supposedly being filmed like on the beach. <laughs> so this is how Americans do things. They don't shoot TV shows in actual buildings. They just do it all in the open air. Hey, why would you like, why would you need a studio when you're in Hollywood? You know, it's, uh, it's... <laughs> it's like we need to take advantage of the nice weather. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're like, we've got natural daylight. We don't need to pay for lights if if we're outside. It's it's nature's lighting. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk with S Club 7, a new British band that is absolutely hot on the scene. We're here today to meet with them. Everyone, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Thank, you. Thank you. So tell me, with the seven of you, now... You must be having a ton of fun, am I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a ball. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. <laughs> okay, well, well, tell us who's, uh, who's like the wacky one. Oh, that's, uh... Um... Well, that would be me. I'm mad and wacky. All right, well, well tell us, uh, what are some of the crazy things you do? Well, sometimes when I've eaten a boiled egg, I finish it and then I put it back in the egg cup upside down and it, and it looks like a boiled egg again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that, uh... <laughs> That sounds like fun. Um, and it's Rachel, right? Yeah. Now, Rachel, I hear you're very fond of DIY. Yeah. Now, what is DIY? Uh, DIY, it's uh, do-it-yourself. Okay. Yeah, I actually put two shelves up yesterday. And then they fell down again. Oh, okay. Well, um, we're going to move over to, to Tina. Now, it's Tina, right? <laughs> yes. I'm the shy one. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, but... Once you get to know me, I sort of come out of my shell a little bit. Tina, stop it. <laughs> this is Jo. She keeps us in line. She's the bossy one. I'm not the bossy one. I thought John was the bossy one. That's no, I ain't. So they're all very fed up, and Jo basically decides. We're gonna, we need to do something about this. We need to restyle the stylist, is what she says. Um, and yeah, it's becoming a bit of a running thing in Hollywood 7, where like the band is now starting to, you know, get a bit of success and people are being assigned to them to kind of help them. And right. the band are just like, we don't need you. We can handle this ourselves. Thank you. Like there was a similar thing a few episodes ago where they got given like a PR person right. and they hated it. And at the end of the episode, they were just like, we're going to do our own PR from now on. Thank you. <laughs> and this is like a similar thing. Like we're S Club 7. We don't need a stylist. 
that's not how we do things yeah, we don't we're need real any, we don't know anyone with any kind of particular skill set so we can do it on our own and it's like i don't think that's how i don't think that's how that works it's it... <laughs> also with restyling i feel like they just wanted to say restyling the stylist because that's not exactly what they what, no. they what they do but they just i'm sure a writer wrote that and was like very good restyle <laughs> the stylist yeah because they go and see her don't they um well the girls go and see her and they kind of tell her we're fed up of this we're just going to do the interview as ourselves and obviously she's worried because she's like I'm gonna get in trouble you know the record label's gonna tell me I haven't done my job and you know these are all valid (laughs) you know concerns (laughs) she could get fired um and the girls are like you need some restyling. You need to restyle your personality and stop worrying. And there's a bit where Rachel Stevens is like, don't be a victim. <laughs> Hated it. It was hor- It was horrible. It felt like bullying, but also yeah, this poor woman's like, I just don't want to get fired from my job. I've been told to do this certain thing. Can you-? And they're like, all right go pretty much like get over it we're just yeah because they sort of go around the group don't they they're all throwing things at her and they're just like stop worrying live a little let it go and then rachel's like don't be a victim (laughs) (laughs) and of course she is like loving this advice and like hugs them it's very like early 2000s feminism um Yeah. yeah where it's yeah it's like girls are just as as good as boys and like you know you just need to uh, think positively and and be yourself but also only be yourself if you look a certain way of course (laughs) just like just let everything go if someone says something horrible to you just move on don't be a victim love yeah it's so (laughs) just like that so simple yeah exactly don't be a victim that's so funny and she is thrilled she's like oh yeah you're so right (laughs) her whole life has been changed by s club basically just telling to chill out a bit like don't worry about the future of your career it'll be fine yeah yeah, exactly like yeah we might tank your career but you know just don't be a victim just you know be cool about it It'll it'll be fine we've held on to our individuality and that's what matters yeah our very uh loose meaning of the word individuality are very (laughs) so we then get to see this performance on the dan blocker show yes unfortunately we don't we don't see the interview we just get a song but it's um have you ever which i enjoyed i'd forgotten about that one but i think it's very good it did it came back to me and i enjoyed i paul was wearing a shirt which really reminded me of um it's quite niche of lin-manuel miranda in in heights uh, yeah, like a massive sort of red shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I also wrote down um, there was a lot of um, lip gloss and cleavage. Um, yeah, I feel like Joe had on, you know, that sort of makeup where it like enhances your boobs, like <laughs> that sort of highlighty sort of makeup. It looked yeah. quite obvious. I was like, I was like, I don't want to feel like I'm objectifying Joe here. I was like, but that it, it you know. She's lead vocal. She's on screen a lot. Um, it also made me, I remembered at this point, I'm like, Joe was lead vocals a lot. Like, I mm. feel like she was, she was like the the singer. Um, yeah, which like John- this song, it's like, you know, her and then the others are essentially like sort of backing singers. Yeah, she's kind of the Claire, the Claire Richards, not to bring a steps analogy in, but it's mm-hmm. like... Yeah, they mix it up occasionally, but um, yeah, it is very Joe. And yeah, that that kind of doesn't really go with the rest of the series as well, because there's never any mention in the show that Joe is the lead singer. That's only just occurred to me now, actually, that it's very like, we're a democracy, we're all equal in this band. And it's literally never like mentioned in the dialogue that Joe is the lead singer. Yeah, and I don't know, I, I can't think of any, except for like Bradley singing on some of the some of the songs like did John and Paul ever get a solo or are they occasionally sometimes it's usually like the album tracks they're like oh right. yeah Joe, John you can have this one <laughs> or whatever <laughs> you can have a little ballad sort of song right okay because I was I don't remember there's a few where Rachel gets the lead um, yes like the first album it's very Joe and then after that I think it's a bit more shared with Rachel every now and again I did think, yeah, because I, I remember Rachel kind of being the the 
girl who like you know you'd think of when you think of S Club 7 um you think of Rachel but um yeah no I didn't enjoy this music video um I enjoyed the little combos of people we had the little duos mm-hmm. doing a bit of acting together that was very nice yeah, and they're just sort of in front of a fountain and there's all these noises of people like cheering and there's clearly no audience there. It's just like they filmed it there and just added that in afterwards. Um yeah. and yeah, there's a bit a few little bits with um Dean and the stylist where Dean is kind of starting to freak out because he's like, They don't look any different, what's happened? But then he's just kind of fine with it at the end because he's like enjoyed the performance. He's kind of like, Ah, they're fine the way they are. I, there was a really weird shot I don't know if you noticed this it was over five seconds long where it was just Carmelita and him staring and yeah. <laughs> it didn't cut away and I was going right it's gonna cut it's gonna cut because <laughs> then I went back and timed it it was very they were kind of staring into space I think they just talked and they they looked ahead um the editing it was just very strange um yeah. but yeah I love I love how suddenly he's done like ah you know what it's fine uh, and you go, oh, okay. So this whole, this whole thing was just a waste of time and money. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the end of every episode. <laughs> just this whole thing was a waste of time. Because <laughs> yeah, Dean was never really that bothered about it, was he? He was just kind of doing it because that's what the record label yeah. wanted. Um, so then after the performance, Howard comes in and Dean and the stylist basically kind of talk him round because Howard is like, well, I didn't notice any difference. And the stylist is like, that's the best compliment you can give a stylist. <laughs> if you notice nothing, I've done my job. Um, and I suppose you're kind of, it's kind of like that thing with makeup going, oh, well, sometimes with makeup, you know, she look like you're not wearing anything at all. But <laughs> at the same time it's like well you literally have done you've literally done nothing yeah I don't think it applies to like doing a rebrand <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. like <laughs> if you've noticed nothing then my job is done <laughs> yeah. I mean maybe she'll bring that forward and then just when she does other stuff it's like well what have you done it's like it's like well you just clearly can't see because I've done such a good job. Now, where's my money? <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, just give me my money, please. They, they are very kind of like, oh, it was a great idea. It was all your idea and look how successful it's been. So Howard is just kind of talked around basically, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And then the episode ends with Tina finding that Paul has put jam in the butter again and Paul tries to blame it on his wacky alter ego and Tina starts chasing him around the living room again how are you buttering your bread why are you putting the jam on first I don't think it's a debate it's not a scone scone. yeah exactly yeah there isn't like a debate going on unless if anyone is listening to this episode and you put jam on your toast first and then butter let me know maybe it's more common than we think how would that even work in terms of like consistencies like I feel like that just wouldn't because <laughs> surely yeah when you put the butter on it all goes sort of nice and melty doesn't it doesn't it in the hot toast whereas if you put it on top of the jam it's just gonna be like a slab of cold butter <laughs> yeah maybe that's the way Paul rolls I don't know but um this is also the first time we saw the dog in this episode because I put like wait they have a dog <laughs> Yeah, I've so right. I've been on dog watch in the last few episodes because in I think it's episode five of this series, there was a whole like plot about them getting a dog. And I think I I said at the time, I reckon we're not going to see this dog again. And it's come up like for the odd like five seconds every now and again. And yeah, it's here at the end of this episode. Joe has just like got the dog on her lap for about five seconds in this scene at the end. (laughs) I love that they care about consistency enough just to keep the dog kind of popping in every now and then. Just so yeah, you know. it's often at the end of an episode it shows up. So they probably like filmed a load of scenes mm. like in a row and with the dog there. And they were like, oh, we can put these in every now and again. So the kids watching won't be like, but where's the dog gone? <laughs> it's like we've only got the dog for one day. We've got to we got to get it all in. <laughs> Um, but it's yeah I was like oh gosh the S Club dog like who takes it on a walk and then that all came up and you know the S Club dog should have been styled um, <laughs> could it have a different personality um, who knows yeah I wonder if um, yeah I'm gonna carry on with this dog watch because at the end of the series they're gonna be going to 
Spain for the next series. So I can't imagine them taking the dog with them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I wonder if it's addressed. That's what I'm intrigued about. I mean, like I predict no, but <laughs> it, might, it might surprise me. I'm surprised it's even like shown up in other episodes since. That's like more than I expected. Yeah, it's one of those things that usually with you know we get the dog. It's other than the dog becomes a mainstay or just never appears again. Yeah, it feels so much hassle over nothing because it wasn't even the main plot of the episode. It was like a <laughs> subplot where they just took in this dog. I think one of them found it outside. <laughs> and it just like, it feels like it doesn't, it's not worth the effort really. <laughs> no, no. Either make it like the dog in Frasier where it's like a core part of the cast. Yeah, exactly. Or just like don't bother in the first place. Or just say, oh, the dog ran away, or you know, or like, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds savage, but it's like, I don't know. Or like, oh, the dog's not well. I don't know, but it's, it's... <laughs> that would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It was it was very weird. Um, because I rem- I think it then was like, oh, I don't think I remember a dog being about. Um, like not in the, this episode, but like in the series. But then I think that's. That was maybe just me wish, wishful thinking. So um, any final thoughts on the episode at all? Or did you have any notes that we haven't brought up already? Um, I'm just looking through here. Um, I noticed they had a really big toaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this house is kitted out. This um, house was given them given to them by the record company. and. Right. Yeah, it, the fridge is massive. They've got, I wonder if the record company is just like stocking the fridge as well, because they've got like tons of food in there. Yeah, I just was like, this is an impressive kitchen. Um, and the idea yeah, was a four slicer. And I just was like, I, <laughs> I was like, I'm very impressed. Um, <laughs> no wonder, you know, there's so much toast bits going on. I bet they're, they're flying through slices in that house. Um, I think that was that was mainly it. I mean, I think we touched upon the Rachel Stevens Poirot thing. Um, yeah. that was very strange. Uh, yeah, no, that was a uh, that was pretty much all my thoughts. It was a very um, strange episode, but I enjoy. I did enjoy it a lot. Yeah, very existential <laughs> <laughs> and very like they think the audience has a different idea to what we actually have where we're all supposed to be watching it like but you can't make bradley do that that's completely against his nature (laughs) bradley wouldn't wear a suit come on now (laughs) (laughs) so before we finish uh where can people find you on twitter and is there anything else that you'd like to plug um so you can find me at um kate m kearns on twitter it's c-a-i-t um k-e-r-n-s um and nothing specific this time i think if you just keep an eye on my twitter um that's also my instagram handle so either of those and um yeah i'm doing always doing bits and bobs so um i'm sure you'll catch me doing doing something at <laughs> some time um that sounds very cryptic um but i'm a <laughs> i'm a writer and, and theater maker and um lots of other stuff like that so yeah Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.